Thank you, Brother Andy, for leading that. I tell you, I appreciate when I can talk to song leaders throughout the week and they ask me what the sermon's going to be about and what songs, if I have any picked out, they'd like to lead or something that will tie in with the sermon. And I really, really appreciate that. And I appreciate Brother Andy leading that great hymn and all the hymns that we've sung this morning to help us focus on what Jesus did for us on the cross. I know that we do have a lot of families out uh, today and traveling this weekend, so we certainly want to pray for them if they can arrive safely when they come back. But we are very thankful that you are here this morning. To our visitors, thank you for being with us. And we're always uh, so thankful for our guests, and you're our honored guest this morning. You know, this past week, uh, if you look downtown Quitman, you'll see a lot of American flags posted up. And this past week, I've gone to check the mail, and I enjoy just being able to walk through town and see some people. And just walking down that sidewalk and seeing those flags, I stopped to look and see the different notes that were there. And there are some similar things that we've all heard for years when it comes to July the 4th and our Freedom and Independence Day, as we think about it in this country. Some of those said that some, or all gave some, some gave all. Thank you for our freedom. And one of them said, freedom comes at a great price. And when I saw that, I was thinking about what to entitle this sermon. And in thinking about that as, as Christians, for us to focus on the great price that was paid for our freedom. You know, the freedom that we enjoy as Americans is wonderful. And yes, we live in a country right now, morally speaking, is in a bad place. But at least we are free. At least we live in a country where we are free to come together and assemble publicly and worship God. There are people in the world, around the world, who do not have that privilege. So I am thankful for that. But the holy nation, the church, is what ought to be the utmost importance. We are to seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33. And so as Christians, I want us to think about the purchase price that was paid for our freedom, not our physical freedom, not the freedoms we enjoy in this life, but the spiritual freedom, the freedom from the burden of sin. And I want you to look at this picture with me for a moment. As you think about Jesus nailed to that old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. You know, there weren't fireworks going off at this occasion. There was darkness. There was mocking, there was ridicule, there was confusion, there was wonder. But salvation's wondrous plan came to its culmination when Jesus said, it is finished. And he was buried. In those three days, there was such darkness, such confusion. And on that third day, he rose triumphantly from the grave. And he is living now. He's reigning as head of the church. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. None of that would be possible. It wouldn't be possible for us to be here this morning. We would have no purpose in being here if he didn't go through with this right here. Mm -hmm. We want to think this morning about the purpose price for our freedom. What did Jesus give that we could be set free? Our text comes from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19. And we want to draw all of our points from that great text. We're going to look at other passages, but that will be our main text this morning. The Apostle Peter is writing to Christians. We know that from chapter 1 and verse 2. Writing to the elect, according to God the Father. 
He reminds them of the great inheritance they have in heaven. It's reserved for them. It's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It does not fade away. He encourages them to live a holy life as obedient children. He said, you be holy for God is holy. In verse 18, he brings it together. He says, knowing this, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold, received from your fathers in their vain traditions, but you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Again from that text, we're going to draw out our points. As we think about the purchase price for our freedom. In the first place this morning, notice with me that the purchase price for our freedom has been paid in full. Notice this word redeemed, 1 Peter 1.18. This word is, is such a key word in scripture. But we want to dive into it and think about what it really means this morning. Redeemed, how I love to reclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. This word redemption simply means to buy back. When you look at this word in the Old Testament, how it's used, and perhaps Peter's making an allusion to what this word would have meant to them in that Old Testament time. In Leviticus chapter 25, beginning in verse 23 and going down through about verse 34, this word redeem or redemption is found several times. And it talks about buying back property. But instead of saying buying back, the word there is redeem. To redeem that property. To buy back something that you want for your possession. Brethren, that's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He purchased the church with his own blood. Acts 20 and verse 28. In him, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood. Even the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Ephesians 1, 7. He has redeemed us to be a people zealous of good works. Titus 2, 14. Our purchase price has been paid in full. It's not this idea that there are more payments to be made. That we had this burden over our head. But no, it's been paid all the way. We have been redeemed. He's bought us back. There are two other words that are closely associated with redemption. That are important for us to understand. We think about what Jesus did for us on the cross. Yes, there is the aspect of redemption to buy back. But then there is the concept and the great uh, meaning of reconciliation. To reconcile means to bring back. So redeem is to buy back. To reconcile is to bring back. Again, an allusion to the Old Testament. In Ezekiel chapter 45, verses 15 as well as verse 17... We read about sacrifices given to make reconciliation. The word there is atonement. To make atonement for sin. To bring back to God. Let's think about what Jesus did for us as we think about the reconciliation that we have through Him. In Romans chapter 5, a very familiar text beginning in verse 8. Beginning in verse 8. That we were without strength, but Christ died for the ungodly. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than, having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if we were reconciled to God while we were enemies, how much more as Christians shall we be saved through His life? Reconciled. For He made Him who knew no sin to be the sin offering for us that we might be brought back to God. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. The just died for the unjust. 
that he might bring us to God. 1 Peter 3, 18. And so our purchase price for our freedom spiritually has been paid in full. We have redemption. He's bought us back. Reconciliation to bring us back. But then notice this word, ransom. The word ransom simply means to set free. Picture yourself in captivity. And there's no way you can come up with the funds to get out. But someone who has the ability to free you and has the mercy and the grace to say, listen, I want to pay it. Pays it in full. You owe nothing back. They bring you back to where you need to be and then they set you free. That's what happened. When Jesus died on the cross and spilled his blood. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 11, it says, For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Again, that word redemption, to buy back. But here the Hebrew word for ransom means to bring into safety. To set us free. Again, as we think about what Jesus did, he came to give us life a ransom. He said, For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28, as well as Mark 10, 45. In 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 6, he's become a ransom to be testified in due time. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we find that we have been bought with a price. What was that price? What was the purchase price? It was the blood of Jesus. Look what the blood of Christ does for us. Let's piece it together. He bought us back. He's brought us back. And he set us free. A victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me. How? With his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew it. And all my love is due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. The purchase price for our freedom has been paid in full. In the second place this morning as we consider that great price that was paid for our freedom. We think about the blood of Jesus. That's also in our text in 1 Peter chapter 1. Notice the first part of verse 19. You've not been redeemed with corruptible things. The word corruptible means it's going to pass away. Like silver and gold. Look at the contrast that Peter paints for us. Not with silver and gold, but with the blood of Christ. Now notice the word the Holy Spirit uses to describe <laughs> The precious blood of Christ. I gave my life for thee. My precious blood I shed. Let's think about that word precious for a moment. The word precious means of high worth or costly. Remember when Jesus, the woman came and anointed his feet with that ointment? It was worth an entire year's salary. And the disciples were so upset, they said, why not give this to the poor and distribute it? The word there is precious. The precious spikenard, the precious ointment. You think about what the psalmist said, precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It's of high cost. It's of high value. The Proverbs writer in personifying wisdom. She is more precious. Far more precious than rubies. Peter would talk about the precious faith that's been tried. He said it's more precious than gold tried by fire. 
In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4, it talks about the great promises of God. Exceeding great and precious promises of high worth, of high value or costly. And then in Revelation chapter 21, we read about the great, wonderful city of God. And how are those stones described? Precious. Of high worth and costly. So the blood of Jesus came at a high cost. The purchase price for our freedom cost him his life. In Leviticus 17 and verse 11, we find that the life of the flesh is in the blood. For it is by blood that there is a salvation of the soul. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, we find that the wages of sin is death. And Jesus was willing to die that death for us. Paying the price that we could never pay ourselves. Don't miss the end of that great verse. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. His blood is precious. The purchase price for our freedom came at a very, very high cost. But I want us to dive into this a little bit more. What is it that makes the blood of Jesus so precious? Now, I want to ask you to leave our text in 1 Peter 1 and go to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26, specifically, we're going to look at verse 28 and break this down into four sections to hopefully have a better appreciation for how precious and costly the blood of Jesus really is. As you're opening to that great text, I want to give us the context. Often we, we read this before we partake of the Lord's Supper. This is when He institutes it. He takes the bread and says, This is my body. Take it and do this in remembrance of me. And He gives them the cup. He says, Take, drink, all of it. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for their remission of sins. First, notice with me that Jesus said, this is my blood. Doesn't that make it precious? We find in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22 that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. So if there's going to be redemption for sin, it has to come at the cost of blood. There has to be blood. Again, Leviticus 17, 11, the life of the flesh is in the blood. It is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Let's think about this. In Leviticus chapter 16, an entire chapter devoted to the day of atonement, Yom Kippur. The people would come, and of course the priest would come, and he would offer sacrifices for his sins. He would offer sacrifices for his family and their sins. And then he would offer sacrifices on behalf of the entire nation. And so all of this will be rolled back to that one day out of the year, the Day of Atonement. You would have the two goats, one would be killed and one would be the scapegoat. And the priest would confess all the sins in a metaphorical sense, put it on the head of that scapegoat. He would run and he would go into the wilderness where he would die. But all this was only a temporary solution. Because the blood of bulls and goats could never take away sin, Hebrews 10.4. Atonement. If you think about this word atonement, break it down this way. It's to be at one with God. The day of atonement, at one meant with God. How in the world is this possible? How can a man be just before God? Only through the blood of Jesus Christ. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 9 for a moment. Let's look at this text together. 
Really, Hebrews 9 and 10 is a fascinating study. And you see how the writer goes back and forth, the Old Testament system, the sacrificial system, the law of Moses. What's the purpose of the book of Hebrews? To show that Christ is better. The supremacy of Christ, better priesthood, better sacrifice, better promises, better covenant. Specifically in Hebrews 9, 24 to 28. It says, For Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood of another. Again, a reference back to the Day of Atonement. He then would have to have suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice, notice, of himself. And as it is appointed for men to die once, but after this the judgment, so Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Not this idea of sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice, all to only be rolled back that one day of the year, but a one-time offering for all sin, for all people, for all time. That's what makes the blood of Jesus precious. This is my blood, the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world. Let's continue in this text in Matthew 26. It's precious because it belongs to Jesus, but it's also precious because it's the blood of the new covenant. That old law, that old system, could never set anybody free. It had to be the blood of Jesus. Notice Hebrews 9, 15 and 17. For this reason, he is the mediator of the new covenant. Notice it says, For the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant, that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance, for where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all when the testator lives. You think about making a will for your children, perhaps. When does that will come into effect? Not while you're still alive, but after you die. This new law, this new covenant came into effect after Jesus died on the cross. Having nailed that old law to the cross, Colossians 2.14. His blood was shed for a new covenant, a new and living, better way. It makes his blood so precious. We couldn't have freedom if it were not for Christ. It's the law of Christ that sets us free, Galatians 5.1. Stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has set you free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. A reference there to that Old Testament system. Why in the world would you want to go back to that? When there's the law of Christ that makes you free. In James 1.25, we find it called the perfect or the complete law of liberty. That's the law of Christ. That's this new living way that he brings about through his blood. So it makes his blood very precious and costly because of what it provides. This is my blood. Of the new covenant. Third place, notice he says, which is shed for men. Which is shed for men. Again, we think about the announcement that John the Immerser gave when Jesus came on the scene. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now notice it does not say the sins of the world. Look at that in the original context sometime. What does that word really mean? 
the sin problem. The pain of sin. You sin, you die. Jesus died for us. The Lamb of God, the only one who can take away the sin of the world. Look at these other statements made. This is a parallel to Matthew 20 and 28, Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man came to give His life a ransom for many. Again, we go back to that word ransom. To set free, to bring unto safety. That's why Jesus came. But we see Jesus made a little bit lower than the angels. Notice this language. That He, by the grace of God, might taste death for Everyone. Who does that exclude? Think about how precious the blood of Jesus is. That through his blood and by his blood, the entire world can be set free if they'll meet the conditions set forth in the Word of God. How costly, how precious is his blood it was shed for many. It is the solution to the sin problem. Genesis 3.15. The seed of woman delivering that crushing blood of Satan. That prophetic statement made the seed line that, G that God carried through all those individuals to bring about the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lamb of God. John, writing to Christians, said, My little children, these things I write unto you that you might not sin. But if you do sin, just know that you have an advocate with the Father. An advocate, a lawyer pleading your case. He himself is the propitiation for our sins, the appeasing sacrifice for our sins, not for ours only but for the sins of the whole world. That's how precious and costly the blood of Jesus is. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for men. But then notice, for the remission of sins. This morning we read from Acts chapter 2, verse 38, and you guessed it, same exact phrase, same exact meaning. Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for, not because of, for the remission of sins. If you want your sins to be washed away, you must contact the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's clear, that's simple, but that's powerful, brethren. Jesus said, I gave my life, I shed my blood for the whole world that you might have your sins remitted. This is my blood. My blood that I'm shedding that the world might have freedom. That the world can be set free. If only they will obey my gospel. Peter would also preach an incredible sermon in Acts chapter 3. And I challenge you to read Acts chapter 2 and then read Acts 3. Look at those two sermons side by side that Peter preached. Notice the language. Repent, therefore, and be converted. How are we converted, Peter? Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of sins. That your sins may be blotted out. Look at the language. Look at how precious the blood of Jesus is. You can have remission of your sins. You can have your sins blotted out in the time of refreshing coming your way. In Acts 22 and verse 16, Ananias told Saul, Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Call on the name of the Lord. That's how costly the blood of Jesus is. Look at the power. You can have remission of sins. Your sins can be blotted out. Your sins can be washed away. And to think of the one who was willing to shed his blood for you and for me. From Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler over the kings of the earth, loved you and loved me enough to give his life, to shed his blood to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. 
We were not redeemed with corruptible things. We were redeemed. We were bought back, brought back, and set free by the precious, costly blood of Jesus that washed our sins away. Thanks be to God for the purchase price of our freedom. That's been paid in full. And that is precious. The third place this morning, let's continue in our text of 1 Peter 1. Notice that the blood of Jesus, this purchase price, has not only been paid in full, not only is it precious, but it's pure. It's pure. The word pure means unadulterated, free from contamination. Come and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, Isaiah 118. The reference there, purity. Pure as snow. White. Clean. The purchase price for our freedom is pure. As of a lamb without blemish. Again, we go back to the Old Testament in our minds. We think about the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12. And as you read in that context, you find some specific information about the day. About the kind of animal. The fact that it had to be a lamb without blemish. The fact they had to eat this in haste, having their gurneys lowered about, ready to move. But you remember that if the blood of that lamb was applied to the doorpost, God says, I will pass over. The blood of the lamb must be applied to your soul if you want to have eternal salvation. It must be applied. It has to be the pure blood of Jesus. Paul makes this connection for us. For indeed Christ, our Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. The blood of Jesus, the price for our freedom is pure because Jesus was pure. You look at these references and think about the purity of Jesus. The one who knew no sin became the sin offering for us. He became that lamb. That Passover lamb for us. He's the one who is harmless, holy, separate from sinners. Hebrews 7 and verse 26. The one who knew no sin, neither was God found in his mouth. And by his stripes, we are healed. 1 Peter 1, 22-24. The purchase price for our freedom. It's been paid in full. It was very precious. It was very pure. Finally, this morning, let's consider the fact that the purchase price for our freedom is perfect. The word perfect means flawless. It means complete, all sufficient. You don't need anything else. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Notice this, this phrase. Peter says, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You know, for years I've been looking at this and thinking, that's just another way of saying the same thing. But there's more to it. Without blemish and without spot. Why well, mention both? You know, you could look at a lamb in those times, and on the outside there'd be no blemish whatsoever. Pure and white. But maybe there was a defect somewhere that you didn't know about. And that's what this word carries the idea of. And so without spot literally means without defect. You go back to the Old Testament system, Leviticus 4.32 as well as Numbers 28 and verse 3. That lamb had to be without defect. 
Jesus, physically and morally pure, free from sin. But it wasn't just something you could observe on the outside. Jesus was pure to the core, which is what makes him uniquely qualified to be the only one that could purchase our freedom. The only one that could have taken those sins to the cross. Without spot, without defect. A perfect sacrifice. Because of his perfect life. As we think about his sacrifice being perfect and being complete. We think about it being all sufficient. Again, I want to mention this to you. His sacrifice is perfect because it's all sufficient for all sin. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. But then notice... Not only is it sufficient for all sin, it's sufficient for all people. All the world, John 1, 29. All sin, all people. But consider the fact that it was shed for all time. The final text we want to examine this morning. Back in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 10. I want to read this with you. Allow the word of God to prick your heart. Hebrews 10, beginning there in verse 1. Everything that we've studied this morning about the precious, costly blood of Jesus being shed, here's why it's so valuable and so important to us. For the law, having a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never, with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. For then, God have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats could take away sin. Drop down to verse 10 with me. By that will we have been sanctified, set apart for a holy purpose, through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, the Lamb of God, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Verse 14, for by one offer he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. That's what makes this sacrifice so powerful, so precious, so pure, so perfect. It's because of what Jesus was willing to do that no other system, no other sacrifice can ever do for us. Peter sums it up this way. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit. And so this morning, as we bring everything together, as we think about the purchase price for our freedom and what it cost the Lord, I hope that all of us will have a greater appreciation for what really happened on the hill far away. What really happened when Jesus was nailed to the cross? Please remember that it was for you. It was for me. It was for the whole world. How can we keep that to ourselves? Can we not go out of here and tell everybody about what Jesus did on the cross? The price paid for our freedom. It's been paid. It's been paid in full. And we've noticed that this price was the blood of Jesus. His blood is precious. 
His blood is pure. His blood is perfect. All sufficient. This morning, if you're not a Christian, you can contact His blood. And the only way to do that is to get into Christ. Jesus shed His blood in His death. We find in John 19, 34 that the centurion pierced his side. Water and blood came out. How can you contact the blood of Christ? You've got to get into the water. Because that's the element that God has specified. Except a man be born of the water and of the Spirit, he will not enter the kingdom of God. John 3, 5. You must be immersed in water to put on Christ in baptism. Galatians 3, 27. To come in contact with that soul cleansing blood of the Lamb. Jesus lived a perfect life. He died. He was buried. He rose again. We have not lived a perfect life. And so we have to die to sin. Be buried with Christ in that water and grave of baptism. So we can rise and walk in newness of life. Romans 6, 3 through 6. But please understand that when we come out of that watery grave, we've got to keep in contact with the blood of Christ. And the way to do that is to keep on walking in the light. And the promise is that if we keep on doing that, the blood of Christ will keep on cleansing us. 1 John 1, 7-9. We find this culminating passage. I want to extend the invitation with this great verse, Romans 8, 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. There's the location. Are you in Christ this morning? If you want to be set free, no condemnation, you must be in the right location. But then notice the lifestyle. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In harmony with the Spirit's teaching. Does that describe you? Are you in the right location? Are you living the kind of life God wants you to live? This morning, if you're not redeemed... <coughs> If you've never been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, why not do so today by obeying His gospel? We're about to sing this great hymn. I want, you, I want you to search your heart. And if you can't sing this song with full confidence, I want you to make sure you come forward and make it right. Make sure we can leave this place singing this great hymn, Redeemed, how I love to proclaim it. Knowing that we've been set free. If you have any doubt in your mind, if there's sin in your life, if there's anything holding you back, <coughs> make it right before it's too late. As together we stand and as we sing. Thank you so much for listening to this episode on the Scattered Abroad Network. We are grateful for your continued support as well as your continued prayers. If you would like to find out more about our network, please visit our website at scatteredabroad.org. We look forward to studying with you again soon. May God bless you.